Welcome to this new podcast series called The Christ-Centred Cosmic Civilization. Christ-Centred Cosmic Civilization. It's going to be, well, I've planned um, about 70 of the, these episodes to look at this divine empire that governs the heavens and the earth, the earth, then the three heavens and all that is in them. Because we live at a time when the big story of the universe has been lost. Nations, especially those heading out into a post-Christian wilderness, are fragmenting into tribes because there's nothing big enough to hold everyone together. Nothing big enough to capture hearts and minds. Nothing that makes sense of life, the world and everything. All civilizations are built on a big story, an overall explanation of what's going on. In the ancient world, different nations argued that the gods or their emperor was the centre point that made sense of the heavens and the earth. However, only the living God who created the heavens and the earth can provide the true big story of the heavens and the earth. The cosmos is not a random chaos, but is instead a cosmic civilization ruled over by the divine emperor from the throne room at the very highest levels of reality. And so this is why Jesus, when the uh, his friends and followers said, um, teach us how to pray, he began with that kind of a perspective, our father in heaven, and then from that everything flows. The ludicrous solution of imagining an infinite number of parallel universes in order to justify the possibility of this impossible wonder that is the only real universe. Well, it just isn't good enough to kind of just come up with these kind of infinite number of parallel universes and things like that. That's just the superstitious desperation of those who've given up on finding genuine answers, genuine truth, genuine wisdom. Rod Dreyer wrote, to order the world rightly as Christians requires regarding all things as pointing to Christ. Christ is the one in whom all things consist and humanity is not the measure of all things. If a defining characteristic of the modern world is disorder, then the most fundamental act of resistance is to discover and live according to this divine empire the deep divine order of the heavens and the earth. We need to acknowledge that things in the world do not 
have meaning only if we choose to give them meaning, but rather God the Father dreamed up the universe and God the Son gave form and substance to that dream as he was filled with the power of the Spirit. That's the core of this big story. That's how the universe began. That's how the universe holds together. That's the key to understanding the ultimate destiny and purpose and logic of the universe. And that's how we can build civilizations on Earth within the great cosmic civilization that flows down from the throne of this divine emperor, Jesus Christ. So in this series, we want to look at the big model of the universe that the Bible and Christian history provides. It's a mind and heart expanding vision of reality. It's not confined to the limits of our bodily senses, as so often people settle for these tiny little visions of reality that don't extend really beyond the limits of bodily senses. So, but this this real vision of the whole cosmic civilization isn't limited by that, but embraces levels of reality that are not normally accessible or tangible to our exiled life on earth. See, that's part of this vision that we are not tuned into the higher levels of reality because we are essentially exiled from the higher levels of reality. And so our ability to understand the richness uh, and the reality of the heavens and the earth is very limited because of our exile. We live on this side of the cosmic curtain. All of the that idea of a cosmic curtain, we'll get into that in later episodes, but we live on this side of this cosmic curtain in exile, and therefore the highest and greatest dimensions of reality are hidden to us. Yet these dimensions exist and are the most fundamental framework for the whole of the heavens and the earth. Throughout this series, we want to pick away at all the threads of reality to see how they all join together, how they all find common meaning and reason in the great divine logic, the one who is the Logos, the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest that both heaven and earth has to offer. Well, what we're going to do in the first um, two episodes is dig down into Colossians chapter one to set some foundations for this big vision of reality. So we'll begin with Colossians chapter one from verse 15 to 23. Well, we could start at verse 13 on this first occasion. Um, 
Colossians chapter 1 from verse 13, God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom, the empire of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This son is the image, the visible form of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. For in the Son, God the Son, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before everything, and in him everything holds together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That'll do for now. Um, Now, notice how it focuses on church there. It's not a kind of secular uh, appreciation of the concept of God. Church is the place where life makes sense, where we can put everything together, where life isn't broken up into fragments and specialisms. But church is... um, Church is how the Lord Jesus Christ um, reveals reality to us. It's where we understand how the Lord Jesus Christ holds everything together. By church, just obviously we don't mean uh, just the building that we might attend, nor the, just a weekly gathering of church. Church is what we are when we trust Christ and are born into this new humanity uh, and, and, and are reconciled to God and uh, begin to like see through the, the curtain, the cosmic curtain. Church is what we are all the time as we share life together, as a, and we do that in these local church families. So local church is the place where we can begin to experience a cosmic life, a holistic life, life as it's really meant to be lived, life in all its fullness, outside of this church way of life, there can only ever be fragments of this uh, understanding of the cosmos, 
overheard snatches of harmony. Inside church, or living as church, the full symphony of life, the great rainbow of light, can be experienced. And I want to be clear up front that this is, it's, this is, uh, this podcast series, it's not about getting a, quote, Christian worldview, as if seeing the universe in a Christ-centred way is kind of like an intellectual position, something that people can neutrally discuss or debate. No, no, it's not that. To see the universe as it really is, with Christ Jesus as the divine emperor at the centre of the cosmic civilization, that is not merely an intellectual viewpoint or a, or a system, but it is embedded in church and a new humanity. It can only be seen, appreciated, understood as church. Church isn't an addition to being Christian, but it's the very definition of being Christian. And outside church, it just isn't possible to see the heavens and the earth in this rich way, in the way that it really is. When we're outside church, um, angels and archangels and the heavenly levels of reality and the the way in which the glory of God fills the earth and the, the way in which everything makes sense and the infinite worth and profound crisis of humanity, all of these things are just kind of theories and thoughts. But as church, all of these things are experienced realities. Outside church... Life is essentially atheistic, at least in a practical sense. Now, as we get into this, there is a strand of modern thought that says something like this. It says, well, I'm not a Christian. I don't, I'm, I don't belong to church because I believe in reason. I believe the world makes sense. I don't believe the world is an irrational place. I believe it's a rational place that can be understood by reason and science, and therefore I stay away from church. But that can, that can never be a reason for not being a Christian, for not being involved in church. Let's think about that. In the ancient world, it was very hard to make sense of the world, the cosmos. Or put it this way, it, it was very hard to understand why the world made sense at all. Well, I say that this was the problem of the ancient world, but it is the constant problem of understanding the world outside of church and Christ. As we see in the opening verses of Genesis chapter 1, the whole of the heavens and the earth are nothing but chaos and darkness without form and meaningless unless 
the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of the Father, is sent forth from his Father in the power of the Spirit. So the, it's almost as if the, the, the natural state of the universe is just meaningless chaos, lifeless darkness. But only in him, God the Son, the divine Logos, only in him and by him can the heavens and the earth be given life and light, order and meaning. Now, the ancient world was very aware of this problem. Why does the world make any sense at all? What is the basis for its life and light, its order and meaning? And so a common solution was to say that the order that we see, it's just an illusion. And that uh, once we see through that illusion, we see that there is no uh, meaning and order uh, and there isn't a multiplicity of things that make sense or anything like that. There's, it, it's all just divine or it's all just flux or it's something else. But that it can't be real that the universe is real and rational and reliable. And Or some said uh, in the ancient world, well, the world cannot be ultimate reality. It's it, 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 Ultimate reality has to be somewhere else, like in some other realm or, or something. I mean, Plato, Plato famously told his parable of the cave. And in his story, the world is like flickering shadows in darkness. But there is a solid reality somewhere else, somewhere else outside of physical reality. There, perhaps, there is true light and substance and order and reason. Plato thought that there was no real order and meaning in the physical world, but that we had to escape from this world order to kind of a, to kind of an intellectual world. So, but a, a thinker of at least equal stature is is the great Shankara of India in the 8th century AD. And he argued that the more we focus on this physical world, the more we are deceived and deluded. Shankara could see no true life or meaning in this physical world. So even the most brilliant minds of all human history could see no way to explain the stability or order or goodness of the universe. How? How could the basic stuff of the world have any order and structure to it? How could this material hold together and make sense? Who could sustain the laws of nature, as we sometimes call them? Who wrote such laws? Why is there so much beauty, truth and goodness in the universe? Things don't make sense all on their own. Things don't organise themselves and make laws for themselves, all from their own ability or resources. 
we see this on a superficial level with our own desks and inboxes and kitchens and even our hair. Things tend to fall apart. So why hasn't why wasn't the universe just a chaos of fallen apart mess? Why isn't it that? See, that was the one of the really fundamental questions around the world in ancient times. And then the church presented Jesus to the whole world, the divine Messiah of the ancient church of Israel went global. And those incredible ancient prophets, well, they had understood the key to the universe for thousands of years, but now it was time for this mystery to be shared with the whole world. The logic of the universe had become flesh just as prophesied, and he shared our human life. He fixed our very deepest problems and made sense of the universe. Here was the one who holds it all together. And when people met him, they knew they'd found the explanation for the way the world is, for the order in the heavens and the stability of the earth. Why? What? How could anyone come to that conclusion meeting a human being? How could anyone... Um, I mean, ancient people weren't stupid. They are, what on earth could make them think that a human being that they met was the explanation for the birth of the universe itself? Well, it's because... Jesus of Nazareth could simply speak and the world came into a kind of higher level of order and meaning around him. And he could walk on water and tell the weather what to do and make infinite food out of a packed lunch and Demons were afraid of him and he could simply tell diseases to go away. He sort of understood the human body at such a profound level that he could fix people. He could wake the dead with a simple word and he could answer every question. He knew what people were thinking. And most of all, he calmly told his friends that on the third day after his death, he would bring himself back to life, that he knew how to do that, to beat death once and for all, that he had the power and the knowledge to take his life back again, even from the grip of death. And he did exactly that. His followers went out to the whole world and said, we know why the world makes sense, why it can all be explained, why it's worth taking this world very seriously, why these bodies of flesh and blood matter so very much, why it's worth studying the world and even 
explaining the stars and the heavens. We have found the logic who gives logic to everything else. And so these followers of Jesus very quickly spread throughout the whole world, every continent and place, and set up schools, hospitals, learning institutions, great cities and civilizations all over the world. The world. They innovated new forms of music, architecture, literature, food, law, politics, technology. They founded modern science and made the astonishing claim that nothing in the whole universe was separated from this logic of Christ. They made the claim that there, there are no irrational corners or disconnected levels. Think of that for a moment. It was Christians like the ancient theologian Basil of Caesarea who said that the superlunary world, that's the world beyond the moon, was made of the same stuff as the sublunary world. So he, he asserted that the stars were not kind of spiritual mythological things made of some sort of different category of stuff, but that everything in the heavens and the earth was made from the same source in the same way that the changing world of the weather and animals and trees and human beings is created of the same basic stuff as the apparently unchanging world of the stars and planets, the world of spheres and the stellatum. So it was the Christians who, by the reality of Christ Jesus, his word, saw that the whole creation was governed by the same logic, made by the same creator, ruled by the same Lord and King. Anything and everything, visible and invisible, is held together by Christ, the divine logic. And we heard that asserted there in Colossians chapter 1. And that's why current forms of atheism are so weird, strange, irrational, to claim to reject Christianity on the basis that the universe is logical, the universe makes sense. That's just impossible. That's the reason to be a Christian. That was the testimony of the brightest and best down through the ages. And in this modern world, in cutting themselves off from Christ, the new atheists have returned to the same old problems of the ancient pagan world. What finally makes sense of the universe? Why 
Is it so logical and predictable? What organises everything? What confidence do you have that reason really can answer all the questions? See, so many people today have stepped back into the irrational questions and ideas of ancient paganism. And they have to just dream up strange mythologies like that infinite parallel universes, things like that, in order to try to make sense of things. And if we are merely the product of chaotic, random interactions of mindless particles, and that's there's nothing more than that, well... It is irrational. It's impossible to imagine that we would be capable of a rational understanding of a rational universe. If if we are essentially mindless particles, chaotically, randomly interacting, how could mindless particles give rise to true rational thought? How could mindless particles think the same logic that the stars, the universe has. It just doesn't make sense for us to imagine that we can make sense of it all. And so what so many people do now is just settle for my truth, not the truth, certainly not a cosmic truth, not the final truth of all things. We just say, well, it's my truth. There are many truths. Or we sometimes just say, this is my lived experience. This is just how I experience life. That's my truth. All these are ways of trying to say something meaningful whilst kind of knowing we can't make sense of anything. And our children are aggressively indoctrinated into seeing the world as meaningless. And our workplace, our politics, our entertainment, it all brutally and relentlessly does the same, mercilessly trying to force spectacles onto our eyes that filter out the beauty, truth and goodness that's written into the fabric of reality. But when we turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we become part of church, we're stepping into the divine pool of light that has lifted humanity from warring and squabbling tribes to the the only genuine light we've ever known. In Jesus, we come to the light and life of the world. Well, that's enough for this first episode. And in our second episode, we're going to begin. We're still going to be thinking about Colossians chapter one, but we'll actually dip back to Proverbs chapter eight.